Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 202. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be talking about the Coen Brothers' latest, Hail Caesar, along with some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list. We'll be doing some movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Uh, I got some some bits of news to talk oh, about boy. this week. Uh, really, I just wanted to go over a couple festival-type things. The uh, Sundance 2016 has wrapped up, and the award winners have been announced. I don't know if you got a chance to take a look at any of these uh, awards that were given out. I, I saw a couple, I think. Um, probably one of the most notable ones is uh, Nate Parker's The Birth of a Nation. That, yeah, I saw that, that one. Yeah, that got the uh, U.S. Grand Jury Prize for Dramatic and also the Audience Award for for U.S. Dramatic. So keep an eye out for that one. It did get picked up for distribution but i can't remember who who picked it up i think it was like amazon it seems like this year amazon and netflix picked up everything <laughs> they bought everything we have a uh i, I posted up an article because that there were rather than putting out one article for each thing that gets picked up i decided to just consolidate everything down into one article so if you go over to the site um under the festival section you'll see i wrote one one article that has a whole bunch of stuff that got picked up so uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, I'll just go over a couple of these. Um, the uh, Anthony Weiner documentary, Weiner, won the U.S. Grand Jury Prize for documentary. Uh, let's see. The World Cinema Grand Jury Prize documentary went to Sunita. Uh, who's the director of that? Oh, geez. Not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> The World, C- World sure. Cinema Grand Jury Prize Dramatic went to Sandstorm. It's an Israeli film. Uh-huh. And it was presented by your your favorite guy, Pitchapong. Pitchapong. <laughs> All right. How do you say his last name? <laughs> we rest at the call. There you go. Uh, the Audience Award U.S. Documentary went to Jim the James Foley Story, directed by Brian Oakes. Uh, let's see. World Cinema Audience Award went to Sunita. So that, that's uh, that going to be one to look out for. Um, seeing if there are any other notice, uh, notable ones. Audience Award for the next program went to First Girl I Loved by uh, Kareem Senga. Uh, we have the full list of, of the winners up on the site too, so we can check, check that out. The uh, U.S. Documentary Special Jury Award for Editing went to uh, Nuts, that, that documentary Nuts. that I liked a whole lot from uh, Penny, Penny um, Lane. So, nice. yeah, uh, 20, Sundance 2016 seems, seems like a decent one. There weren't any, anything that, like, really kind of blew every, everyone away, it seems. It seems like it was kind of an average year. I don't yeah. know, just the impression that I got. I wasn't there, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, South by Southwest. It was really, it was really low key. It, it, really it low. did seem like a low key year. South by Southwest, however, the feature film lineup was announced, and this this has some ones that I'm really interested in. Uh, quite quite a number. I don't know if you've seen this list. Have you looked at this? I'm gonna look at it right now. So some highlights or some some of the big 
premieres are gonna are including Richard Linkletter's Everybody Wants Some, which is kind of the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. the The trailer for this doesn't look make it look great, but I'll of course check it out. Cause... You're 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 in. You're already in. Yeah, but have you seen the trailer for this? It it doesn't look very good. It's like a college version of Dazed and Confused, but I just I, it didn't it wasn't that funny. But I don't know. I remember the Daisy Confused trailer not being great either, so we'll see. Uh, Ty West's new film, In a Valley of Violence, is coming out. Excited about that. Yeah. Not a horror movie, from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Nichols' Midnight Special, that's the one with uh, Michael Shannon, the superhero, or special yes. powers one. Yes. Interested in that. Uh, there's a ton. There's a ton of movies that I'm interested in. A lot of the... The cool thing about South by Southwest is you have uh, a really, a really nice mix. There's a lot of if you're into the the American indies, like like I feel like the movies that you've really been watching a lot of lately, Kevin. I feel like South by Southwest is kind of the venue for those movies. I think I think Maybe. so. Perhaps uh, Mike Birbiglia's new one, "Don't Think Twice," is coming out there. Uh, Clay Clay Leeford's new one, "Slash." It's going to be premiering there. We featured that on a Kickstart Sunday a while back. Looks interesting. Uh, Linus Phillips has uh, one coming out called Rainbow Time. Rainbow Time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rainbow Time. Any other there ones is. that you're... Uh, Rainbow Time. You want to highlight there? I, I didn't really see anything so far. Nothing you're interested in? John Michael McDonough's War on Everyone. That looks interesting. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. I'm I'm interested in quite a, quite a few of these. I think uh, I think yeah, you know I'm just kind of looking just looking at titles and directors. You know, I'm not really getting it. A lot of unknowns come out of South by like there's a lot of a lot of movies and directors that are featured there are newcomers and just uh, filmmakers that I've never uh, heard of before. So yeah, there there looks like their episodic uh, programming is just as big this year as it was last year. Um, they just started doing the episodic stuff, I think, when we went for the first time. And then the, the following year, they, it was a little bit bigger, and I think it's been growing ever since then. This year, they're going to be premiering uh, Outcast, which is the new Robert Kirkman show, uh, directed by Adam Wingard, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, then you have Preacher. And Preacher, too, yep. From Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Vice Principals from Jody Hill, yep. David Gordon Green. Yeah, very excited about all of those. So I've read the Outcast comic book, and it is pretty fantastic. So very excited for for that series. I think it's I think that show's going to be on Cinemax, but I'll be interested to see how that turns out. I think it's Cinemax. Maybe maybe it's not. Uh, that's pretty much it. There were some new trailers that came out, but n- honestly, nothing. The only one that I wanted to mention was. Uh, Green Room got a new trailer, but I didn't watch it because I want to go into that completely cold. Going blind. Yeah, I'm really excited about Good. about that. The Cabin Fever remake got a trailer, but who cares about that? <laughs> why? Why? Why is there a Cabin Fever remake? I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, I just saw a trailer today that I don't understand. Um, now you see me too. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah. Why? Didn't that like didn't that movie flop? Uh evidently not. 
Huh. I mean, I know it wasn't very well received critically. I didn't like it. I know that. <laughs> I thought it was ridiculous. I just like I don't know if I've ever met anyone that watched it. I saw besides it. you. <laughs> like I, I don't remember hearing anyone ever talk about that movie. Well, they made a sequel. It's happening. Wow. Uh, one other thing that I'll briefly mention is that apparently there's going to be a Nicktoons movie, and Jared Hess is directing it. That's bizarre. Yeah. As well. There's not a whole lot of information about it yet, other than it's going to be kind of like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit style movie, where all of the, not all, but a lot of the Nicktoons characters are going to be brought into it. So, so far it looks like characters from Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life, All Real Monsters, and Angry Beavers will be in there. Oh oh my god. I'm sorry. I think that's amazing. (laughs) Oh my god. I I think that that is possibly going to be incredible. Oh man. Ren and Stimpy. I just want to see Ren and monsters? Stimpy interacting interacting with, interacting with humans or characters from Rocco's Modern Life. Or even yes, All Real Monsters. That was a great show too. Oh, I loved All Real Monsters. Yeah. It sucks that uh, Doug probably won't be in there because... Doug is now owned by Disney. Doug's too damn boring anyways. <laughs> can't, can't be him with those heavyweights. What the fuck's Doug gonna do? Oh my god. I still remember the lineup. It was Doug followed by Rugrats followed by Ren and Stimpy. And then later they added Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, good stuff right there. And then uh, Real Monsters and then the Angry Beavers. There's your golden age of television. Yeah. Yeah. Got that right. Nicktoons. What? <laughs> Oh my! And Jared Hess directing it—that's uh, an interesting choice. I think it's it a is. good choice, but we'll see how it turns out. I mean, I have no idea what that movie would, how, like, what the plot would be or anything. I hope that there is no plot. It's, <laughs> it's just, just them, them in a room. It's just them in a room having a conversation. <laughs> They're having a dinner party. That's all it is. It's a dinner party. Mm. They're just they just you know, walk the camera walks around. To different conversations. That's it. Or it's just them at the DMV waiting to renew their licenses. There you go. And they're just sitting there waiting and talking. I would watch that. I would watch it too. All right, let's talk about some some Hail Caesar here. This is going to be our uh, our only review for the day, but I feel like it's a big enough release that it could uh, stand on its own merits here. So we have uh, directors. This is directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Also written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Stars. Josh Brolin, George Clooney, uh, Channing Tatum is in there, Ralph Fiennes, Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand, Jonah Hill, uh, Allison Pills in there, Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens? Heck yeah. Uh, Max Baker. I'm probably forgetting some people because there's a ton of people in this. I have a synopsis here. A Hollywood fixer in the 1950s works to keep the studio stars in line. I'm going to start this one off if you don't mind, Kevin, because... Go for it. This this is the type of movie that's that's really kind of within my wheelhouse. I think this is all you. You know, takes place in in Hollywood in the fifties, and it deals with you know crazy studio antics. And there's a slight, maybe a slight mystery at the beginning. I was hoping for a bit of a, a more of a mystery as to why he was abducted and you know what's going on with that. But I gotta say, I was a little disappointed in this movie. I liked it. Oh my goodness. I liked oh. it. I didn't love it. <sighs> didn't love it. 
Oh my. Uh, it's weird. I can't really put my finger on what I didn't love mm. about this movie, and I think it's just that there wasn't enough there. Like it, it was funny, but it wasn't really. There wasn't really anything that made me laugh out loud, and I felt like the storyline, while interesting, it just didn't go. It just didn't really go anywhere interesting, and it was really goofy. I was kind of surprised at how kind of over the top silly it was but i appreciate the you know this to me this felt like kind of the the cohen's love letter to old hollywood and kind of also taking the piss out of how ridiculous like the studio system used to be back in like the mccarthy era when you know everybody was suspected of being a communist and stuff and i like how it kind of tackled that and almost spoofed it in a way but yeah but um in the end i just didn't f- find it to be that uh engaging it just it felt kind of bland to me although the the cinematography in this the visuals there were so many times in this where i thought to myself oh man that uh that one perfect shot twitter account is gonna have a field day yeah especially movie. like uh, all the shots of the studio yeah i mean you, a lot there are so many scenes in this that you can just hit pause and take a screen grab and it's gonna look amazing um, yeah which i thought i i did like that, that that i enjoyed that you know with you know you get to see the cohen's doing you know m- m- like making a little western movie mm-hmm. and then the cohen's doing like the aquatic dancing movie yeah. yeah so you get to see him do like all these different kind of genres and it's just unfortunately every time that they would do that i'm thinking that movie looks more interesting. Can I be in that movie? Because the one that I'm currently in is, I, I, I'm a lot like you, where I enjoyed myself. I, you know, I didn't hate the movie, and I was entertained here and there. A couple, couple of decent chuckles from me. I didn't think it was overly hilarious or anything. And I enjoyed myself for the most part for, you know, hour, four, five minutes, whatever it is. But it, this is not sticking with me. Yeah. I yeah. This it's not memorable. Yep. Um it's not engaging much like you said mostly cuz I just didn't find Josh Brolin's character to be engaging and we spend so much time with him. Yeah. When everyone else is far more interesting and I just I wanted more of that. I wanted more of the antics. I just didn't think that the the kind of through line was the whole communist uh abduction thing. I didn't think that that was very interesting i mean i kind of i like like i said i like that they were exploring that topic in hollywood and how the you know it was it was the screenwriters and all of that stuff i kind of liked that but i just didn't think it was uh that interesting it didn't really grab me it was there was some good comedy in there because i did love how george clooney character just it kind of like buys him right off oh, right the bat, but he, but he kind of, he kind of doesn't really understand it wholeheartedly. No. He tailors it to his needs, but he's on board. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, honestly, it just came down to I just didn't find it that funny. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, there were there were a fair number of musical musical numbers in this. I think that this yeah. this is almost considered. A, I don't know. It's borderline a musical. It's close. I don't, I don't know if it'd be considered. I don't know the genres that they they spoof on it. 
Yeah. Doing the musical. There, there are a fair number of musical numbers. The only one I really liked was the Channing Tatum one. I, just because I just like the, the choreography in that. <laughs> uh, and it is just, you know, their whole idea of, you know, sneaking their messages in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when he's trying to leave <laughs> and he gets stuck between the two guys. Oh, yeah. That was funny. Uh, that was... Got a chuckle. It's got a chuckle. The only thing that I found really funny was when uh, Mannix and who I can't remember who the other guy was. If he was like what department he was in, but when they were talking about um, Scarlett Johansson's character giving her baby up and then adopting her back, <laughs> and that would just ends how the guy's like, "This is exciting." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Oh. <laughs> uh... Uh, I like the idea of a film taking place in 50s Hollywood and it's, you know, about a fixer who who just goes around fixing the problems within the studio and like, you know, how it begins with him going in and pulling it, this actress out of some kind of weird photo shoot situation. And I was kind of hoping that it was basically going to be like... uh ray donovan but in the 50s <laughs> 50s hollywood yeah, 50s hollywood ray donovan because i think that that's that's cool that's almost going back to how well, LA if, confidential if you, was well if you think about it like that's a perfect tv show right there oh yeah 19, 1950s hollywood just a, a fixer for a studio yeah i mean because you i mean you could you could have that sucker going for seasons and and it, this movie sets that up. It sets it up really nicely because it's very fast. Like he's running around. He's always looking at the time. You know, he's got a million things he's got to do. He's got meetings. He's got all this stuff going on. It's a very fast movie. The dialogue's very quick. The scene, you know, the scenes jump jump from scene to scene very quickly. But the the thing is, there's only a few of these things that he's actually fixing. Really, I mean, the George yeah. Clooney thing is the big one. And then like the Scarlett Johansson thing is just such a small, small part of it that resolves itself without really him doing anything other than making that one suggestion. Which I do love that, you know, Jonah Hill's on a poster. Yeah. He's literally in it for one scene, folks, (laughs) literally one scene. And you see that scene in the trailer. (laughs) Yeah. Like what? Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I wanted more of him because he was funny. I did enjoy him. Um, yeah, yeah. I liked the. the I just remember because there was one. There was one scene that I thought was funny that I was trying to. I couldn't even remember what it was, but it was the scene with uh, Ray Fiennes and the, when he kept repeating yes. the line over and over and over and over yes. again. I thought that that was funny. Him and Alden. I what's his name? I, yeah, I'm Aaron Reich. I think it's Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich? Alden Aaron Reich? Yeah. Hobie Doyle? Hobie Doyle. I liked uh, the character of Hobie Doyle. I, I, he, did, I liked Hobie Doyle, I thought too. he was funny. And Yeah, when, like when, you first, when we're first introduced to him and he's you know, shooting that Western, yeah. like, I want to watch that Western. <laughs> yeah, that was like, crazy. That, was, that looks fun. It was like a fun-ass Western, man. I want to see that. Plus, man, he knows his way around some spaghetti. That was a little doing ridiculous. All sorts of, it was ridiculous, but it worked. Yeah. I could have definitely used... It should have just been Hopi Doyle. 
should have been the main character. I'm just trying to make it in Hollywood. I did want more of that. Because he's just such a nice guy. I did like that he... He's, he's trying so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the squeaking shoe. Is the house, <laughs> his shoe was squeaking nonstop. Uh, oh, it should have been... I wish there was more of that type of humor in there. Because that's when I think the Coen brothers are at their best. Yeah. When it's just the small stuff yeah. like that. It's just really awkward. Mm-hmm. It's just the it's just the really dry, small kind of yeah things that are almost happening in the periphery that there's no attention drawn to them. It's just it's happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we get Mannix trying to decide if he wants to go to Lockheed. Yeah, uh, I didn't. That that storyline was not that. I mean, I like I do I do a pre. I mean. I'll say that I appreciate the way that they kind of tie it together. Sure. With yeah, with the, the whole thing, with uh, yeah, and with the the whole communism thing, and then the speech that Clooney gives at the end, and just how completely clueless they are to their message that they're sending. Mm-hmm. I did like that, but I, you know, it's just not enough. There just there was. I feel like that there were so many beginnings of ideas here, and characters that were just but they're not none of it was developed enough to make it feel like a complete cohesive story like if this was a tv show like you said they would have enough time to develop all of these storylines and all of these characters and i think that it would have worked a lot better like the whole like tilda swinton's characters of thora and thessaly thacker yeah like they they're what is the point of those i mean i get that they're you know they're representing the the kind of you know, tabloid, the Hollywood rags of the 50s, and I appreciate that, but why, you know, bringing in the whole twin thing and having people be confused about which one is which and all of that, like, it's kind of a funny gag, but it just doesn't go anywhere, and I feel like they spend time with that when they could have spent time with, you know, trying to develop one of these other uh, dangling, you know, plots that the kid introduced. Yeah, it's just, there's a... There's some pretty substantial stretches of Hail Caesar that just felt really flat to me. Yeah. As well. Just like it, you know, none of the comedy was working for me. And there was probably mo- <laughs> the the parts that were probably the flattest when it was just Josh Boland's character. I just really didn't like Josh Boland's <laughs> yeah. character. I think, I think what we're kind of un- uncovering here is that you just really didn't like Josh Boland's character. <laughs> I just, Hail Caesar sans Josh Boland is great. Loved it. A uh, Hail Caesar, uh, predominantly featuring Josh Brolin, not such a big thing. Well, the problem with Josh Brolin's character is that he's kind of inherently flat. Like he's just he has no yeah. personality. He's just uh, he, you know, he's basically like a studio. He's just a stooge for the studio that just gets shit done. And I think that yeah. Josh Brolin is the perfect actor to play you know that type of role. He's similar to like a detective in in a noir or something where. He's this kind of hard-boiled cop, no nonsense, getting shit done. <laughs> and I and I appreciate that, but when you're when you're having him as the main character, and then he's surrounded by all of these really bright, colorful, full of life people that are really interesting and unique in their own way, it does kind of uh, bring bring his character down a, a few pegs. Yeah, but I will say they got some Walthams in there. It's Waltham watches. Oh, I saw your tweet about that, yeah. Yeah, I have that same watch. That's cool. 
I was tickled pink. Nice. Pop took a look at him, and I was just like, ha, yeah. Was that the same watch that Brolin also was using? No, Brolin has a different watch. He has that, his, uh... Is it, is it the same? He has that hex, he has that hex case. Yeah, they're both Walthams. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it was. Hmm. Must have been some sort of brand deal, because they show that watch a whole bunch. Well, they were big back then. Were they? They were one of the biggest U.S. watch manufacturers. Let's talk a little bit more about the visuals, because I think that that was... Uh, going into it, I was kind of... At first, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this, because it looked... From the trailers, it looked like it was going to have this kind of old visual style to it it was gonna look old and when the movie started i was like ah, it, it looks new like when they first showed the the footage of hail caesar it looked like a mm-hmm. new movie it didn't look like an old movie you know what i mean yeah. and but they, they kind of made up for it i feel like the all of the set design the costumes everything i thought were pretty on point well yeah and that was for me that was, that's the most interesting thing about this movie it's just fun to see you know essentially like little short films of the coen brothers and beacons doing different you know different genres right 50s style which you could have just made it that it could have just been an hour and a half of just little short films of them doing different genres without josh brolin and i probably would have liked it more (laughs) the main point is no josh brolin yeah, I can't stress that enough. Get Josh Brolin out of there. Nothing against Josh Brolin, just the character. I was a huge fan of Burt Gurney's house. I yeah. I thought his house looked awesome. He's got great taste. Burt Gurney. <laughs> uh, there's some great character names in this. There is. They, they, all, the best. they all sound exactly like how you would imagine... Those characters being CC Calhoun. Uh, I enjoyed that scene, but that scene didn't need to be there. Yeah, it was. It was. I um, mean, it was a nice to come back to the scene that Hopi Doyle was working on, and then you see where they, where they ended they, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that was just a nod to the fact that you know women working as editors have been prominent since the early days of Hollywood and their their skill and their craft has always been completely Neglected. kept in the dark, so to speak. Really? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I want to like it more. I still want to like it more. But I will tell you that it made me I mean, I probably have to go back and revisit it because it wasn't that big one inside Lewin Davis, right? I wasn't a big fan of that one. But coming out of Hail Caesar, I'm thinking <laughs> It's Man, a- that was like leaps and bounds, quality-wise. Leaps and bounds over uh, Hail Caesar, and it was funnier too. Mm-hmm. So maybe I actually like, maybe I actually like that one more. I'll have to revisit it. Yeah, I, I think it's about time. Yeah, the, as far as the co- the ranking the Cohen the Cohen's movies, this is probably pretty low on on my list. Actually, I just I I think. Another part of it too is maybe the expectations got up yeah, there a little bit because yeah. I did hear some things, you know, that it was like, oh, this is just Coen Brothers being fun and goofy and doing comedy. It's like, oh, brother, where are they? Yeah. It's like Raising Arizona. Oh my God. 
It's just straight up comedy. And I was like, oh man, they're doing 50s Hollywood too? This is going to be perfect. Yeah, I had very high expectations and that could have been part of the problem for sure. I mean, we, we but, have a review for it up on the site. Blake gave it an 8 out of 10. He liked it a lot. And I was expecting from the trailers, I was expecting more of an Oh Brother Where Art Thou vibe. I f- fully expected that going into it. I knew it was going to be kind of goofy. And I knew that there were going to be like a lot of musical numbers and stuff in it. but. I don't know. It just didn't. The comedy really didn't work for me. The the I don't know. I just I wanted more. I wanted more of the 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 old Hollywood vibe. I just wanted more of that. I wanted more of the storylines. Maybe have some of the the side plots be a little bit more developed. Mm. But in the end, I just didn't find the whole Baird Whitlock thing that interesting because it's it's not that interesting. I don't think. Yeah, like the whole kidnapping right. thing is is such a small like you find out who kidnapped him within five minutes of him being kidnapped. Yeah, it's not like there's really no mystery to it. And then even once you find out who it is, so you you know you have that mystery is gone. And then you know you're left with okay, well, what's the reasoning? Well, that mystery is cleared up in you know the next couple of minutes. And it seems so there's so just really pointless. nothing to it. Like from that point on, it's just hanging out until it's the end of the movie. Yeah. I don't know. For me, for me, it was just a misstep. I, there were parts of it that I liked a lot. I mean, I, I liked the visuals. I liked everything as far as the, the aesthetic. And I liked a lot of the side characters. But overall, as far as the, the narrative, I just didn't, it just didn't wow me. I just felt a little meh at the end. Yeah. And at this point, I'm realizing that I just saw this last night. And there's already things that I'm forgetting about it. It's, uh, it reminded me a lot of Burn After Reading. I have like the yeah. same like the same feeling towards it. Or where that... I was like, you know, it made me chuckle. I enjoyed myself while I was watching it. Yada, yada, yada. But I, like, it's not sticking with or, me. It's um... not going to stick with me. I'm not going to be gushing about this movie and telling people to run out and see it. You know, I'm not going to be walking up, you know, people work like, oh, shit, did you see Hail Caesar? <laughs> did you check out Hail Caesar this weekend? Dude, you gotta see it. Or uh, Intolerable Cruelty. Yeah, I'm just completely indifferent to if you go and see this or not. And if you like it, great. If you don't, fine. Like, I just, I, I couldn't care less. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's kind of how I'm sitting with it, too. All right, let's go ahead and give Hail Caesar a score. I will say a 6 out of 10 on this one. I'm, uh, I'm going to say a 6 as well. There you have it. Hail Caesar in theaters now. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some of what we've been watching. I don't remember, because we didn't record last week, so I don't remember who started last time. So we'll just, we'll just start with you, Kevin. Start with me. Yeah, why not? Fine. All right. Um, so, well, I did another Unsung Indie. Got one of them up there. So you can <laughs> read that. Uh, you won't miss me. 2009, Rai Russo Young, which uh, wow, this 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 film is great. I was blown away by this one, and uh, it's interesting because she went on to make Nobody Walks, which I which I haven't seen. I haven't seen, but just by the look of it, you know, checking it out the trailer, checking out IMDb and stuff, it just feels like. A very bizarre turn in a way. I don't know. 
Maybe I'll have to check it out, but I'm not really looking forward to checking that one out. But this one, you won't miss me. Um, number one, you got Stella Schnabel, who gives an unbelievable performance in this movie. And it's got everything that you would expect from an indie because it's got the old 16 millimeter. It's got the Super 8 footage in there. It's got HD, even using a flip phone at certain points in time. A oh little bit of everything, all sorts of film formats. Okay? Got it all. And then they weave it all together. And it's just, it's, it centers around her and getting, she's essentially released from a mental institution because she doesn't meet the criteria to be there. So, and the guy's telling her, you know, you, you got to do therapy. Therapy's going to help you, right? Got to get that therapy. So in turn, the, the film itself becomes the therapy and that's how she works through it. So it's like a therapy session film type thing going on here. And it's wonderful. So definitely check that one out. I saw this on Fandor. It's one of the best, out of all the ones that I've seen so far, this is near the top. Wow. Of the American Indies. This is up there. Strong, strong recommendation. You, you gave this a 9.5 out of 10 on the site. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know why. I, I, I probably should have went 10. Wow. Probably should have went 10. You know, it's just one of those things where you just, you're a little hesitant. To, to yeah, be out it's all it's it's always hard. Like you 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 never want to dole out that ten right off the bat. You don't want to, but at the same time, when I'm thinking about the movie and I'm trying to think of okay, what are, what are the negatives that are keeping it from being a ten? Because there's so much I like about it, right? So what's keeping it from being a ten? Right. And when I'm thinking about it, I, I'm not really coming up with a lot. I'm not really coming up with anything. So then my reasoning is, I, it probably should be a ten then. You know, you can't back it up. Right. Yeah, if you can't come up with anything wrong with it. You know, exactly. So I think the moral of the story is don't trust me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what we found out here. There you go. Keep that in mind. I saw uh, Contamination from 1980. This is directed by Luigi Cozzi. All right. This is uh, kind kind of a science fiction horror movie. It basically, it it's, starts off with a a ship making its way to uh, Hudson Bay Harbor, and they're they're not getting any any uh, notification on the radio from the ship. Nobody's responding, but it's it's barreling towards the harbor. So they go ahead and they board the ship. They stop it, and they find that everybody everybody on the ship's dead, uh, and it looks like they've been turned inside out pretty much they've ex- they've like exploded so they explore a little bit and they find these coffee crates that have these green eggs in them and as it turns out when the eggs get heated up because there's like one egg that kind of rolled out of the box out of the crate and ended up underneath a pipe that was like a steam pipe and there was like a hot water pipe and it, it kind of ripened and one of the people that was exploring picked it up and the egg exploded and oh. and got got on the guy and like what happens when you get the egg goop on you is that you essentially just immediately explode your your yeah like your stomach explodes what it's sort of a play on the the alien thing i mean clearly it's an alien ripoff the eggs look similar but not similar enough to get sued to the to the eggs and alien <laughs> And yeah, and you're 
essentially what happens is your chest explodes sort of like a chest burster thing but in this movie it's so much more violent and horrific because it's there's so much force behind i was really hoping that you would say that yeah it's but there's like no rhyme or reason to why it happens you're just you just explode there's no like alien coming out of you or anything uh so basically it's about uh this these three people this this government agent this former astronaut and this cop who head to south america to try to track down the the coffee company that had these eggs and figure out you know where the eggs came from and what their plan was because it seemed like they were going to try to distribute them throughout the city and kill a lot of people for some reason yeah and uh it kind of it kind of goes on from there it's uh it's pretty fun it's really cheesy but it is <laughs> it's really really gory when the when the eggs hit you <laughs> the, the the special effects work is it doesn't look good but it's it's uh it's really fun and there's like there's a scene where they try cuz the the coffee company finds out that they're there investigating so they send so they try to kill the the woman and they they do so by putting they sneak into her hotel room and they put one of the eggs in her uh bathroom while she's taking a shower so she like gets out of the shower and she sees that the eggs there she starts freaking out but they lock the the door from the outside so she can't get out and it's like yes. why wouldn't you just put your towel over top of it so that if it if it explodes it's not going to get on you or if you're somebody trying to kill her you were already in the bathroom why don't you just shoot her <laughs> like why <laughs> why go through the no, the trouble of the putting the egg there and hoping that it ripens and explodes. Think about this. You're you're someone. I I would imagine that these guys maybe killed before. Yeah. You know, like maybe that's their job. They're hitmen, something like that. Yeah, Assassins, so whatever you want to say. Sort of. When you get a new, when you acquire a new way in that's which to true. kill someone, yes, you want to use it. Gotta, you got to try and use it it's, any chance you get, right? Because Using the guns and the knives and shit, uh, it's got to get old after That's a while. True. You get alien eggs, you like, I want to see how this plays out. It's just out. like in a video wanna... game when you unlock a new weapon, you want to yeah. use that weapon. Well, it's... and also, you need practice if this is going to be the future. Yeah, you got to get the timing people, right, yeah. You got to get in early, and then that way you have the expertise. When it comes around to that everyone's being killed with alien eggs, you're at the top. Like, man, I've been working with, with these things for years. I know everything. Inside and out, I know everything about them. That's what they're doing. They're smart. That's true. That's true. See, uh, either way, it was ridiculous. The entire scene was ridiculous. It was, but it was probably one of the more fun scenes. Uh, there's, there's some really crazy shit that happens near the end. I don't know if it'd be like a spoiler to talk about it, but let's. It's from 1980. Let's just say that there's some <laughs> aliens. There's, there's a, like, there's something that's laying these eggs, and it looks utterly ridiculous, and it eats people. But it's like it does it in a really funny way. It like slowly sucks them in. Cause it's just this like really fat. It's like this really fat blob that has two sets of lips and it just looks so, and it's got this oh one glowing goodness. eye that has, and it has the ability of like hypnotizing you. It's so silly. I, one second. I just want to see real quick if I can find a picture of it. Oh, you probably can. It's like really slimy and green and, if you type in contamination film 1980 on Google image search on the second row, the second to last one, 
Or at least it's on the second row of mine. It's like a yellow, glowing yellow eye with like a frowny face. It's like, yes. That's what it looks like. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. That looks like fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a ridiculous alien ripoff, but it's enjoyable. Gotta get that 80 schlock. Yep. Uh, and that's Contamination. Contamination. Perfect segue to my next film, which was uh, an Antonioni from 1970. It's not, but let's work with it. Let's do it. Uh, Zabriskie Point from 1970. This is the second film that he made for the studio system for MGM, I think it was. Um, oh, man. It's, 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 uh, it's hippies. It's about hippies. Hippies doing their so, thing? Hippies doing their thing. Oh, and you know what hippies do. Yeah. They don't do anything. Smoke reefer? They smoke some grass. <laughs> and they just say things that mean nothing. So a lot of that is what's going on in this one. There's really nothing going on, narratively speaking, which is can be said for a lot of Antonioni films, but this one, more so than any of his other films I've ever seen. I mean, there's just nothing going on. A uh, large majority of this is one of the guys um, steals a plane from the airport, just walks in, just out on the tarmac, hops in a plane, Guy waves him down. He's like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm flying a plane. He's like, all right, see you later. And just takes it. So that's where airport security was back in 1970. So it's just like extended footage of him flying, right? Just him flying. And then at the same time, there's this other girl that's going out to Arizona to meet her boss for something. So she's just driving around. So there's extended sequences of her just driving coming up to like a stop sign and she's checking her map and then turns and it's just her driving. So then later out in the desert, he's flying his plane. She's driving a car. So he starts doing these flybys, just flying down real close, coming straight at her and stuff. And like that goes on for what feels like 45 minutes. It's like he does this like 15, 16 times, just keeps flying past her. So that's a forever, right? Then he finally comes down. They get together. They go to Zabriskie Point, lowest place in the U.S., barren lake beds and whatnot. So they go down, smoke a joint, say some stupid shit. And then there's this, like, interpretive orgy scene, right, where they make love. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, like like 100 other hippies, like, rolling around. But they're not actually having sex. They're just kind of, like, rolling around and, like, play fighting and shit. And that honestly goes on for what feels like an hour and a half it just gotta love just that. goes on and on and on and it's just the same thing over and over again like he doesn't mix it up visually or anything so that happens forever <laughs> and then they're done and he goes back gets his plane he's like see you later i'm taking the plane back she's like all right i'm driving out to the thing so again it's just him flying and her driving just for like another hour i mean it's just oh my god but the, the thing is Things get really interested at the end because it just goes like full on experimental with this like badass Pink Floyd song and just slow mo blowing shit up, which looks amazing and it's just fantastic. So that's amazing. Um, a lot of the visuals, the cinematography, the framing throughout like the beginning when they're in California looks great. It looks amazing. Um, it's just ooh, it's rough to get behind it because there's nothing happening at all Mm, it is so yeah its themes are so flimsy and thin it's just it's kind of a waste of time except for the visuals all right and that's uh zabriskie point zabriskie point 
getting one. I got I got on the letterbox and it's like five stars, five stars, five stars. I don't get that about some movies. I this is one of them again. This is one I just I don't understand. Uh, I saw "Don't Torture a Duckling" from 1972, directed by Lucio Fulci. Uh, this one, I mean, this is one a lot of people like too, and I I wasn't that enamored by what's, it. What's the name again? "Don't Torture a Duckling." Okay, it's got the worst cover. <laughs> it looks like one of those really terrible '90s. Uh, no budget horror movies that was shot on VHS. That's what it looks like. It, it's just the oh my goodness! It's the worst cover I've ever seen, and somebody needs to release someone this made, movie with a proper cover because it's someone terrible. Made that someone had to make that. I've seen it. See, the problem is I've seen that cover more than just on Letterbox, though. That cover oh, is all over the place. Oh, good. It's so bad. Anyway, uh, the movie itself, it's fine. It's not really it's kind of a giallo but it's not not really though it's it's kind of before the whole giallo craze really took hold so a lot of the the tropes or notable you know visual cues that one might uh, categorize a film as a giallo they're not really here but it is a mystery so it's got it fits that a lot of it takes place in the italian countryside uh basically what's happening in the film is Someone's murdering young boys, and the the townsfolk think that they find the woman that is responsible, so they kill her in public, but as it turns out, that's she's not the one who did it. So there's just red herring after red herring, which is pretty typical of these types of movies, and then you find out who did it, and it's there's a gun, kind of a showdown at the end, and then the person dies, and it an absolutely hilarious, unintentionally hilarious manner. He falls off a cliff, and it's so funny because the the scene is so long, and they do these close-ups of, like, his face scraping against the rocks on the way down, but it is so clearly uh, the worst dummy you've ever seen. Yes. But it's not like his face scrapes that. it. It's like that they add, like, little explosions. Like, they made his head a balloon or something so every time it hits there's like an explosion coming off of his face <laughs> and so his face just explodes over and over that sounds amazing uh yeah so basically after they kill the woman who they think is responsible and then they find out that uh the the murders are still happening there's a reporter and this former drug addict slash i think she's a model they kind of decide to go out and find out who's who the real killer is because apparently the cops are just they can't can't, they're just inept i guess and uh yeah they find out who did it and that's pretty much it it's uh it's entertaining i as far as uh i haven't seen a lot of fulci's movies in fact i think this is only the i've only seen four of his movies so as far as that goes, like as far as his his movies go, a lot of people say that like, this is one of his best ones, but uh, I don't I don't agree with that necessarily. But uh, it's it's fine. It's I guess a light recommend. <laughs> I have one that I do not recommend, and that's V for Vendetta. Uh oh, two thousand five, which I didn't realize that it was that old. Yeah. And uh, it shows when you're watching it, because it looks old as shit. 
<laughs> um, honestly, I I was thinking about this movie after I watched it, and I was just trying to trying to think of something positive to say about it. Like I thought there had to be at least something that I liked about this movie, even if it's small, minor. There was nothing. I liked absolutely nothing about this movie. Um, number one, visually, it's like the equivalent of grape nuts. There's just fucking nothing going on. <laughs> I thought it was going to at least be like visually interesting. It's not. It is unbelievably boring. There's nothing to this movie visually. Um, CGI blood, some of the worst I've ever seen. Just the absolute worst. It's so shiny and bright red. It's... It, ugh. You should check out this guy's other movie, Ninja Assassin. You want to see some horrible CGI blood? Check out Ninja Assassin. Uh, it's just well, the worst part is there's the the final. Well, this is the other thing. There's not that much action in no, this damn movie. No, there's, there's not. like three scenes. And no, another thing, this movie's like two and a half hours long. What the fuck? Why is it two and a half hours long? There's no need for it, especially if you only have three action sequences and two of them last like four or five minutes tops so you have the one at the end which takes place underground in like the abandoned tube station where it's like all wet damp and there's no light and he's slicing people up with his daggers because he's a superhero with daggers how boring is that and you know he's doing it in slow motion they have like the the trails coming off of his his blades i did someone thought that that was a cool idea um and when he slices people and the cg blood comes out and it comes out terribly there's like no, like they didn't put a lot of thought into it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't come out the way that it should yeah. by the laws of physics. <laughs> it just like kind of appears and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but when it comes out, it's like super bright red. It's like really shiny. And you're like, there's no light. Why the hell is the blood so shiny? What's what it the reflecting hell are you guys off of? <laughs> going on? This is not what blood looks like. Um, and the worst thing out of everything, they... Well, I guess to add insult to injury, I should say the the screenplay that you're dealing with here is written on like a fourth grade level. It is just, it is terrible. It, this movie is so damn simple. It's just it was rough. I did not like this one bit. Mm. No, nothing's good. And then you got Natalie Portman doing British accent for some reason. Like she just couldn't be an American living in London. We couldn't just do that. Apparently not. Because there's a couple of instances, couple of lines that she delivers, and they just sound awful. I don't, I don't remember. I, re- I remember when this movie first came out. I liked it, but I, I remember so little of it. It's been years since I've rewatched it. Well, don't rewatch it. Keep that memory. Don't, don't tarnish that memory, Adam. Okay. All right. So that's V for Vendetta. I saw one called Amer. I don't know how to properly pronounce it, but it's A M E R. The mayor? Oh, by the the people that did the strange color of your body's tears. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is one that I picked for my fifty-two films by women. Uh, I decided that I'm my list is going to be definitely. I'm going to try to pick different things. Like I'm not going to go by the list on the website. I mean, there might be some crossover that's unintentional, but I'm going to try to really go for some kind of out there picks. Uh, so yeah, that's exactly what you should do. Yeah. I applaud that decision. And I'm not going to, I also am not going to rewatch <laughs> anything. Like, all of them are going to be first time watches. Nice. Because I feel like rewatching is A, a cop out, especially if it's like a movie you already know and like. Yeah. And B, I don't, 
I don't log rewatches on Letterboxd, so it's going to be more difficult for me to keep track <laughs> of them. So that makes sense. Those are the two reasons I'm not. I'm, they're all going to be first time watches. Uh, so this is uh, this came out in 2009. It's directed by Helene Catet and Bruno Brizani. Uh, it's a kind of a kind of another. I, I'm just realizing that I've had a really Italian week here. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, well, that was my goal for 2016. I'm gonna I'm gonna really crank out the kind of the Italian films, the Italian exploitation and horror films this year. Anyway. This is a really interesting one. This one, you should check this one out, Kevin. Uh, visuals in this one are off the freaking chart. Unbelievable. Yes. This movie is gorgeous. Holy crap. I can't speak highly enough of how this movie looks. They completely nailed the aesthetic of the kind of uh, the 70s Italian film. It. Oh my god, it is so amazing. Can't... I can't even, and the sound design in this too is out of control. The, whoever's the, the sound editing, it's on another level. It is so good. Like I can't speak highly enough of those two aspects: the plot, the story itself. Nah, it's not great. Which is really disappointing because the the entire first act of this, I was like, holy crap, where has this movie been all my life? It's amazing. Ten out of ten. But then it really just, it really dropped for me in the second act, because it's basically presented in three different sections. There's three segments. Um, they, all fo- they all follow this woman named Anna, and she, the, like, the first segment is an experience she had when she was a little girl. The next one, she was a teenager, and then the, the final one, she's an adult. And they all kind of revolve around her having a sensual experience not an overt sexual experience but Mm -hmm. something that kind of evokes that those emotions in her or that like kind of physiological response and the the first one the first one's probably the best one uh it feels more like kind of a gothic horror story felt like more of a mario bava film to me like an earlier bava film and um Basically, she sees her her parents having sex, and it kind of really fucks her up. But there's a lot more to it than that. And then it gets after that, it gets really, really trippy. Like she starts having these kind of crazy fantasies and dreams, and there's just colors everywhere. It gets very surreal. And then the second one is more like, and this is I can't say this for certain, but this is from what I read that it was kind of inspired by the films of Jess Franco. I haven't seen any Jess Franco films, so I I don't really. Yeah, that's one that I want to. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm hoping to to see a couple of his films this year, uh, especially because when Duke of Burgundy came out, apparently that was heavily inspired by Jess Franco films as well. And uh, so, so the second one is basically about this kind of encounter she has with this biker gang when she's a, a teenager. Uh, I I liked it. I mean, I. I thought that that was the weakest of the the three segments and then the final one when she's an adult is more of like uh an argento where there's kind of uh a killer stalking her and uh man i i have not i have yet to see the strange color of your body's tears but i mean it was on my it's been on my watch list forever i just haven't gotten around to, to watching it i know i'm gonna like it 
but, you're gonna love it but this one like this movie completely solidifies it for me that i absolutely have to see it because this movie's just out of control it is just so it's exactly in line with with uh oh, like the kind of mindset that i'm in right now the kind of movies that i'm watching i can't wait to see this then yeah it's it is absolutely worth a look just pure visuals and sound alone you're just you'll just be like holy shit i mean the movie itself is just it's whatever which is really unfortunate because it starts off really strong but it does it does fizzle out and there's the finale is very hard to watch even for me and i've seen a lot of really hard uh, really tough stuff to to watch in movies this is really really disturbing the the finale so just to warn you about that it's tough to watch but uh yeah that's a mirror and um highly recommend checking that one out okay uh i've watched uh something that just recently popped up on netflix instant and that's charlie's country from 2013 been wanting to see Not this to be thing confused for... with charlie countryman yes do you, yeah, they are very different <laughs> very very different films um i've been excited for this one for a while been wanting to see it for a while Finally popped up on Netflix instant. Jump into it. Uh, pretty solid film for the most part. Acting's good. Cinematography, serviceable. Um, there's an interesting thing with this. Uh, so it's about an Aborigine in Australia living on his community, and he's kind of getting sick and tired of the white man, and he just kind of he leaves the community and starts living out in the bush. Um, and at first, everything's going great. But then, of course, some things happen, and then it goes on from there and has all these different experiences. Um, and the thing that irritated me, and it irritated my wife, and she actually pointed it out first, because I couldn't quite put my finger on it, what was kind of pissing me off. And she pointed it out to me. There's this, um, there's this like piano music that plays throughout this damn film. I mean, just incessant. Pops up all the time. Yeah like the same kind of piece just over and over and over again. And it's really sad and pathetic, you know, like it's trying to evoke pity from you. And at first it's not too bad. It's just, it's like, Oh, okay. The piano, but they keep repeating it over and over and over again. And it gets to the point where it shows up like perfectly on beat. Like as soon as the main character, Charlie, as soon as just a bit of sadness washes over his face, just, the dinging of that shitty piano just right on cue just starts playing and it just it soundtracks everything he'll just be walking around kind of sad and it just keeps playing and playing and it is awful it's so terrible and it really really ruins the movie because if you didn't have that it would be fine i i would i'd be completely into this movie and the thing that pisses me off even more is at the end um Charlie comes around and he's going to teach the young kids of the community how to do the the traditional dances of his tribe. And, and a big thing is that like throughout everything, the hardships that he's having and stuff is that he has at one point in time, he was there for the, the opening of the opera house in Sydney and he danced for the queen of England because he's like the, one of the best dancers. Um, so that's like his source of pride. So at the end, he finally comes around. He's like, I'm going to teach these kids how to do the dance and everything. So it kind of ends with him teaching and then playing the didgeridoo and doing the dance and everything. And the music is just, it's unbelievable. 
And it just pissed me off so much that at the end, I finally get a taste of that, like real music. And it's like, you could have been playing that the entire time or variations of it instead of that shitty, sad piano that you played for the first hour and 30 minutes. Why? It sucks. I hate it when music music brings a movie down. It's, it's always it's always so unfortunate when that happens because it just takes over. I mean, it's like it's worse than like a Hans Zimmer score because it's just it's like, hey, by the way, you're supposed to be sad right now. And it's like, yes, clearly, everything that's happening right now is sad. I don't need a shitty piano telling me that I should feel sad. I know how emotions work, and they just keep doing it over and over and over again, and it just gets annoying after a while. I have a, a couple rewatches that I can briefly mention. Uh, I rewatched Scream by Wes Craven. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Rewatched. It's been years. It's been years since I rewatched Scream. I was, uh, I was sick last weekend. It's one of the reasons we didn't record that, along with the fact that nothing came out. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I rewatched a bunch of movies, and uh, Scream was one of them. Holds up, man. I mean, it, it, it certainly looks dated. Because it's certainly a film of its time. Like, they talk about cellular phones in it. And, yeah. and just, the, you know, emerging technologies when, when that came out. It was, it was just interesting to watch. But I, it's still a really fun slasher movie. And I, I still really enjoyed it. Mm. I also rewatched Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. That holds up, too. I I think this is probably the third time I've seen Scott Pilgrim, and every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. I just, there are so many nuanced lines and jokes and references in that movie that it just gets better on a rewatch, because you pick up, like, one little throwaway line or just sound effect or little thing in the background or something that you didn't catch before, and it just adds so much... I mean, it's all those little things that add so much depth to that movie, and it's just, I don't understand why it wasn't more successful, because it's so good. <laughs> I just, I do not get it. That movie is incredible. If you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, check it out. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah I, I did enjoy that. that. Yeah, I thought you, I thought, I thought I you saw it. I watched that one, too. A while since that one. Uh, that's, that's really all I wanted to mention. Yeah. Well, we did it. Okay. Cool. Good work. Good work. All right, let's talk about some predictions. So we got a got a bunch of them since we didn't record last week. We have uh, the prior week's predictions to go over. So Kung Fu Panda three, you said forty, I said fifty eight. Actual eighty. Mm. Yeah, that one was, and that one beat out Hail Caesar this weekend at the box office. Oh. I mean, I guess it's not that surprising. But Jane got a gun. You said thirty, I said twenty eight. Actual thirty four. Yeesh. It sounds like they should have just scrapped it. Like, after they started having all those issues with it, yeah, I think they probably should have just scrapped it. Uh, the Finest Hours, you said 12, I said 12. What? <laughs> I said 46, yeah. actual 59. Oh, that's way too high. One of the, uh, w- the theater that I went to see Hail Caesar in last night was playing Finest Hours right next to my theater, and it, I kept hearing the Finest Hours Oh, I hate when that happens. In the next day, it was bothering the shit out of me. Yeah, people should put a little more thought into that. Like, because there's a number of times where I'll go and you're seeing kind of like a quiet drama or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you like just hear this comedy. loud booming next and then, door. Yeah, and they put it next to like a superhero movie. And so all you hear is explosions yeah. and shit. It's like, come on, you could have a little forethought here. 
Yeah. Fifty Shades of Black, you said 27, I said 4, actual 7. Nice. Big surprise there. All right. Hail Caesar, we didn't predict these, but I'll just read off the numbers. Hail Caesar has a 79%. The Choice okay. came out, and the old Nicholas Sparks, that has an 8. Mm. And Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, 41. Yeah. No desire to see that. Not, not, none whatsoever. Uh, Blake yeah. saw that, and he said it's uh, very boring. Which is the reason that I couldn't get through the book, because it was so boring. But at least it sounds like they adapted the book properly. Like, it is kind of a, it is basically Pride and Prejudice, and they just kind of fit zombies in to different places. Yeah. It's not simply the characters. It's not just the characters, you know, put into it. It, It actually follows the Pride and Prejudice story. Which I think, you know, for me is definitely a hindrance because... They just inject, inject zombies here and there. Yeah. Wherever there's a wall. Yeah. Wherever so there's an opportunity to put basically zombies. everywhere. So it should just be zombies nonstop. Right. <laughs> Next week we have Deadpool. This one, uh... Oh my. This one I'm really... I don't really know how, how to predict this one. Because it, it really could go either way. I think that the the whole... R-rated superhero thing. It's interesting because while we haven't seen a lot of of that style, like R-rated superheroes, there's not that many of them out there yet. I feel like it's 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 over. Like I feel like it's already kind of feeling stale, <laughs> and I don't know why that is. Because really, there's only like Kick-Ass. If you want to con- include Kingsman in that, it's not really superhero, but it's there's some kind of fantastical stuff, and it's based on a comic book. Um, and then that, that, uh, James Gunn one, Super, is it called Super? Yeah. The one with Rain Wilson. And that was, I didn't like that one at all, but I do like the character of Deadpool. I can't read the comics. The comics are way too grating, so I don't know how the movie's going to be, but I'm, I'm anxious to see it. I think I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be good. Currently has a 96%. The embargo just lifted yesterday for this. And it's yeah. so it's currently sitting at a ninety six percent. What do you think? How do you think about Deadpool? I don't want any part of it. Okay, what are you? What are you gonna say? It doesn't look good to me. It's not. It's not my cup of tea. Not cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. It's at a ninety six right now. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure say, that'll drop. Yeah, I'm gonna say seventy seven. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and say. See, I didn't see. I I should have looked to see how many reviews are in. Because that that'd give me a good idea. I'll say sixty eight. We also have How to Be Single, to screwball comedy. Thank goodness. Uh, I think Rebel Wilson. Stop. Rebel Wilson is in that. Objected to those obnoxious trailers. Yeah, I'll say thirty six on this one. Six. Uh, I'll say forty two. All right, and Zoolander two comes out. Why? Why? Why does it come out? I don't know. I do not know. Uh, 20. Was it my turn? Uh, Sure. 20. All right. I'll say 38 on Zoolander 2. Zoolander. How long has it been since? It's been like 12 years. It's been like 12 years. I think it's, I was going to say like 30. (laughs) 30. Came so, out when, like the year we were born. <laughs> yeah, nine eighty three. That came out in eighty three. Eh, sure, why not? 
I don't know what to think about Zoolander 2 either. It's it's gonna be terrible. I feel like I feel like it's been a really long time since we've had that style of comedy. You know, the the classic Stiller, the classic Stiller comedy. Yeah, I feel like I feel like nowadays it's all been like Apatow was big there for a while. And now now we're kind of I feel like we're kind of on the tail end of the of the uh, the Seth Rogen style of comedy. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's time for a Stiller comeback. Nah, that's all right. <laughs> I I feel like I rewatched at least part of the first one not too long ago, just just to see if I remembered it. And it, it's it's got its moments. It's silly, but it's, it's awful. Still it's me. just let's just be honest, people. Come on, it's a terrible comedy. It's awful. <laughs> it's just awful. It's not funny. Uh, the gasoline fight, though. That's the only thing that's funny. <laughs> Isn't that like within like the first yeah, ten it's minutes? In the, or yeah, it's in towards the beginning. Uh, in limited release next week, we have "Where to Invade Next." That's the the Michael Moore, the new Michael Moore documentary. Her good things. Okay. Uh, he's in the hospital. I just read uh, that he he ended up in the hospital. Yeah, he has pneumonia because huh. he's doing like the press tour for "Where to Invade Next," but he's also doing. Um, a lot of work in in um, Michigan for the the refugees and all of that stuff, and the water uh, shortage. Yeah. yeah. So he's. I think he just wore himself out. Got pneumonia. Glassland comes out. Uh, I don't remember. I, I have a few emails about that, but I can't remember what it's about. <laughs> Do you remember what that one's about? What's it called? Glassland. Glassland. No. No, I do not. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Bear with me. It's uh, Tony Collette, and it is uh, Jack Rayner. John lives with his mother Jean in a South Dublin social housing suburb and ekes out a meager living as a nocturnal taxi driver, barely making ends meet. Okay. He returns home one morning to find his mother, an unwavering alcoholic, unconscious, and this was not the first time. Hmm. So there's a pattern. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what to say about that one. It seems okay. I guess. Uh. We also have a war, which is the the new one from. Uh, God damn it! Why am I blanking on his name right now? Oh, Lin Lindholm. Yeah. Right. Uh. Tobias Tobias Lind Lindholm. I think I know who you're talking about. I can't remember if that's his name. I like how I type it in. It doesn't give me anything. No, I just did the same thing. Like, is it War of the Worlds? No. <laughs> Back then, all war. The movie's called It Should Be a Perfect Fucking Match. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Star did I Wars type saga? in uh, <laughs> The Worlds Episode 3 Revenge Sith? Did I type any of those things in? No, I did not. I typed in uh and war. The hell? Um, Why is this not coming up? Is it actually a movie? It is. I think it's. There it is. IMDb. Trusty. Oh, trusty IMDb. Yeah. Tobias Lindholm. Yes. All that work. All that fucking work. <laughs> All of that just for confirmation. Um, this one, this one, uh, it doesn't really appeal to me. It's kind of a, tells the story of uh, two two soldiers, I believe. And, or, or maybe it's, it tells the story of a soldier who's at war and then kind of what's happening at home with his family. And it, it looks, I'm sure it'll be fine. I think it's, um, I don't know if it's a, an Oscar yeah. submission. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
So I'm sure it's it's going to be quite good. It's just one of those that I feel like it doesn't really appeal to me right now. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, also, Nina Forever comes out, and it's always tomorrow in Hong. Or, sorry, it's already tomorrow in Hong Kong. Yeah. And VOD next week we have Southbound. That's the uh, anthology horror film that looks okay. I saw a trailer for it, but I'm I'm like concerned. It's by the same. I think the same producers that put together the VHS movies. This one's not found footage or anything, but it it all revolves around uh like people on a on a road trip, like highway driving. I think yeah. that all the stories intersect around like the same stretch of desert highway or something. That could be interesting. Yeah, a couple of them looked a couple of them looked interesting. I I don't think there's a lot of them. I think it's maybe three or four stories. So, yeah, I'll probably be checking that one out. Um and Mythica 2, The Dark Spore, <laughs> comes out. But fantasy movie with Kevin Sorbo. That's what we need. Yeah. What we all been dying for. Um, And I think that... What's, what's next Friday? Oh, yeah. Next Friday is the 12th, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Glassland also comes out, as does the Cabin Fever remake. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. On Blu-ray next mm-hmm. week. We have Spectre. That was a meh for me. Yeah. Actually, I fell asleep for most of it, so I I really can't say. I was pretty bored by it. Crimson Peak, I would recommend that one. We have Freaks of Nature. That's one of the... That's this really odd horror movie that that got released. The reason that it's odd is that there was, like, no marketing for it at all, and all of a sudden it just existed. And they were like, hey, this is coming out next week. <laughs> I love when that happens. Yeah, I don't, I really don't, I mean, it must be really bad that they did it that way. But it has, you know, some, some big people in it. Dennis Leary, Patton Oswald, Bob Odenkirk, Joan Cusack, Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. So, I have no idea what to think about that one. Uh, Grandma comes out, that, uh, that got some buzz. When that one came out, 99 Homes, uh, MI5, Love the Coopers. Oh, looking forward to Mission Impossible. Nope. That's, Take it, that's what you're talking about? Nope. That's not what you're talking about? Nope. <laughs> it looks like that's what I'm talking about, but it's not. <laughs> Got my hopes up. Yep. Uh, that's pretty much it. Bunch of anime as usual, as per usual. Tokyo Ghoul Season 1 comes in a really cool looking box set. Caught a couple episodes of that Tokyo Ghoul show and it's uh it's decent it's a little weird nice that's what i wanted to hear that's how you sell things to me it's a little weird it's a little little weird i'm like yep i'm in looks like arrow films is releasing shiba baby from 1975 and it's got a really awesome cover fantastic yep classic pam greer uh that's all i got what do you got on the criterion front oh we got one we got one it's a box set getting two films getting a doubler uh from yan Troll, I guess. I guess. Mm-mm. I have no idea if that's how you pronounce his name. Um, over the course of two films, he charts a Swedish farming family's voyage to America, which has legends Max von Sydow and Liv Ullman as the couple. That seems interesting. Hmm. I've never heard of these films. No, nor have I. The immigrants in the new land. 
Cool. Never heard of them. From 70, 71 and 72. Check it. There you go. I guess. I don't know. Didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make your own damn decision. You don't know anything about it. All right. Well, on that note, I think that that wraps it up for this week. Be sure to send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. We appreciate that so very much. You guys are amazing. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week.